0: Welcome to another UCTV.TV podcast, presented by University of California Television. I once uh, uh, was in Africa. I had been working as a seaman on a Norwegian freighter. This is preceding the time of the uh, container ships. And um, uh, soon after that, in South Africa, the... uh, The authorities used to uh, gather protesters up in these large armored wagons called hippos. You can imagine why. And um, I think that's the only word really that needs explaining in this poem. This poem is titled Green. Green. Heat in the park today, almost an African heat, saw green as something we remember with. And tonight, see miners in Johannesburg, just about now, blink, stepping out into broad daylight as they pile into trucks headed for their shanty townships under the shadow of armored police hippos. While all around, others go full tilt into romance, careers, breakdowns, lawsuits, I am taking the night off, time out. Though so little am I of my time, it doesn't even notice I'm missing. Something in me would rather let the night pass through, would stroke and play with, rather than pilot Because up ahead or nearby, there's a moment never more green, more strongly felt than when the past is dropped. But now is gripped by the fatal fixed attention of career killers with the firepower of gods at their fingertips. Who can switch night into day, day into blinding desert. Men dead set on planning war with its two choices, victory and the unknown. The way children see everything being themselves unseen, tonight I can be told things you have not told anyone since I will not be here long enough to haunt you with its revelation. After weeks besieged by news, Today, over a beer, I heard someone call the heart the Beirut of the body. Such poetry the future has in store. In my notebook, I find, don't seek to the bottom, settling for muck. While you mull this over, mouthing the words without having them swim straight into your bloodstream. It's just an idea, and life hasn't grabbed you by the throat, yet. Uh, this next poem <coughs> is titled The Home Front. Um, some of these poems were written during the First Gulf War and uh, they uh, I, I, they really don't need any, any change. The Home Front. After the pinpoint fraction of concentrated hell fire is rained in and the generals call off their air war on Baghdad, concrete and steel rosette Babylonian garden in the desert of my father's birth nearly wiped from the earth, we watch ragged, runny-nosed street Arabs underneath aureoles of filthy curls playing with live ammo in a minefield's mud. Their faces a play of glance, grin, grimacing moves too intent on their games to choose caution over curiosity. Tarid. Sunlight is their only nutrient. Turning to the camera, their wide eyes withdraw, filling with darkness against the light o- off the dunes. If eyes don't lie, who will not see his own child's face in theirs? Stark beauty of things in peril, more alarmingly alive looking out of the ditch than we looking in. The law like a loaded gun trained on them. Who if he could, would give up his seat and go down and look through those eyes at the darkness so suddenly fallen? Abraham's knife still slicing the air down the blue sky their bodies would be made of, if only the absentee Lord God against all evidence were to return bewitch sweet water from the salty sea and create us right for once. Promises and prayers come to nothing. Each day we act against our blood bond with the other side and manage to hide the shame of having abandoned it. Such is the scent of the sulfurous present on the home front. Everything racing at increasing speed toward the opposite of what we intended. Uh, so, uh, some of these, uh, these next <clears throat> couple of poems are short, and then I'll read a couple of longer ones. Uh, you get a chance to catch your breath. <clears throat> this first poem is titled Courtesy. The blind man I helped onto the bus tells me, I took the bus to see my mother. She doesn't get out much. We watched football on TV. I note he keeps his singles and fives in different pockets of his wallet as he fingers them to pay the fare. I glance out the window. It looks like rain, I say. We cross the bridge. Fog hazes. A lighthouse beams in the distance. At my stop, I get up to leave. See you later, he says, facing straight ahead. And I sense it as a courtesy, his speaking my language. So much of what we say speaks of more than we can see. Uh, My wife and I live with several cats. I won't tell you the number because it may exceed the legal limit. <laughs> so. um, and uh, I, I noticed that they enter into the poems quite a bit. Um, this, tit- this poem is titled The Animals. They too live in a world they sense not as time and space waves through their fur and pads of their feet, the tips of their whiskers. Birth hurls them not toward death, but out to breath and earth, and no word, not one, worth setting foot on. Unlike us, they are not strangers to night's way of knowing what is old, and in daytime, new. Night is old, is theirs as the days in which piecemeal over eons came forth web and claw and paw on which they tread. In them night remains while days like us pass out of sight. Uh, It's my uh, not so much belief, but my experience, that um, uh, one, one's work as you, as one gets into it, as I get into it, and I find among my friends, as you get into your work, uh, the longer you're at it, uh, the more doubt creeps in as to what you're doing, the value of it, in fact, why you even began it in the first place. <laughs> and uh, for some people, that's enough to stop them in their tracks. For other people, it becomes part of the work. So, anyway, uh, this uh, poem is titled While I Dismantle the House, Poetry Goes Packing. Um, And um, the poem was really generated by a move that we had to make, a household move, and uh, everything was disrupted and it made me think about what I had been doing. Going out the door You never know what's in store in the never thought about that now needs rethinking on the white road as always running nowhere. Everything east of me I already know. Who said that? Where are they now? And taking pen in hand doesn't part the way to the long view that serenely looks through the trash that passes. The mass graves that grow. I can't remember what it was good for. Was it only for the sense of accuracy in foreboding when something awful happens and we knew it would? Something unreturnable goes out of me. I wonder what it was good for. Should we take poetry seriously at all? Tell me... Yes, give me reasons, I hear the old poet plead for long, insistent as the last ho-ho bird on Oahu, whistling his mating call for years to a female of the species long extinct. For the life of me, I wonder what it was I ever thought it was good for. Uh, after after working in a very loose uh, forms, every now and then I sort of get caught in tr- uh, trying to write something a little stricter, so as not to feel as if you know the the edges are just sort of spilling over. And uh, often I've found, maybe some of you have as well, uh, the tighter, the stricter the form you use, the more limited the means you use. Uh, often you have a much greater, you discover much greater freedom, because you're. S- you have to fill a form that you wouldn't have otherwise and so you discover new possibilities <clears throat> this poem is just it's a villanelle i cut my jaw on the blade of politics the art of madness in formal dress soon i curled my way to the top of a tree made of part flesh part veil all Hiss! I cut my jaw on its roughened blade. Below, history was busy as it hurled bodies where we had lain. Your dress was all that was left where we had curled for for dear desperate breath in a world our bodies craved for the caress we first feel as we cut our jaw on the blade and the instant before we see the blood. The exquisite edge of that dread kiss draws me on to cut my jaw curled around the cream of the crop made of flesh. The sensate harvest along the abyss I cut my jaw on. The whiplash blade of the world in which we're curled. Weather report, Baghdad burning. a little less sparkle in the sunlight, a little less dazzle in the rays, a little less sway than the heat of the day when the heavens rained human beings like living torches onto the billowing street. Eskimos know the weather is our master. I'm taking my time with disaster I'm trying to make the most of my master trying to get the weather right I'm starting with September it looks like now like I'm in the lap of luxury not to mention the luxury of time I'll lap up later faster summer days like the tribal scarred girls of Lagos sticking their tongues out at us in welcome, no longer ease toward us and out of their flower sack skirts dyed with juices as Indian summer heat huddles closing down and hazing the horizon, crowds of cumulus settle like sailors in their bunks. Now, in the approach to sobering October, a wind stirs a chill, will soon be leaning a shoulder against a little more shade and leaf sway, longer, fuller shadows piling deeper, denser fur for the coming slow haul. How make a century's myriad-murdered sound at the bottom of a voice to not further deafen the mute? A sound not out of any cherub's mouths, but bleeding mothers, sons, and daughters. Sound made deeper in being thrust back in the throat. Speech cobbled of shocks and shrieks of those who once lived, like us, and now gone along with their echoes. While Baghdad burned, I wrote my memoir, Memories Fiction. Bewailing fails. When did bewailing avail the silence of the slaughter of the lambs? I hear my father, who alive, said little. Or not exactly hear, but see his look, exhausted through grinding teeth, as in life, in mute lament, shocked and awed at his birthplace burning. He stands in a pressed suit against a wreck-blackened night in which red eruptions rule. For all the little sound he makes he might as well be alive. I'm just warming up. Things are getting hotter faster hurricanes and tidal waves, the envy of terrorists stirring the planetary pot with hardly a pause for those gone under Earth to ashes, wind, water. Recalling what once was is doubly bitter for making us so aware of having been so bitten. The bottomless, blank grief makes you gulp like the bitterness the mortally ill feel entitled to. As heat thrown off in whirling molecules must find somewhere to receive it and rid itself of the heat or be destroyed in the feedback, now that my words come slower, harder, plainer, but not briefer, than when I was younger, woollier windier, fewer care, as if air needed silence to ripen into mellow wine. Bleeding from nose and anus and from the meat we eat, in a heartbeat that never catches up with the newness of what is about to be, we who are in line to die, dive nightly into our wine and dinner. Listen up don't be a schmuck. Even nightingales run out of luck after they've built their nest, and singing give their best, only to have crows take over, caw and clatter, and leave behind their fecal matter. Only to have, with all due contempt, instead of a savior risen, a president who belongs in prison. I'm riding unsteadily on the third rail of rhyme with a slippery ghost on the slopes of winter's past that chills the touch at evening's edge and with the ice and dust of asteroids hurtling past from the vast void that was home even failing eyes can't fail to see home broken but not let go. Hmm. Oh, yeah, here's what I kind of like. It has, uh, it has uh, mentioned several artists, poets, uh, things like that. <clears throat> uh, in the last line, it makes mention of Dali, and that's Salvatore Dali, the, uh, the painter who was a friend of Lorca's. This, is, this poem was titled "Coevils." Oiling the soundless wheel of nightfall, the near red evening sky is the underworld risen toward every alcohol imaginable as we shift into dinner mode in the mood for the prime rib on the menu. The mouth that ingests the rarest bites of the afterlife in this one has no need to enter it. Nor dip a toe in its orbit. Rambeau wouldn't give a shit what we think of his illuminations or how our postmodern, postmortem pontiffs deconstruct or deauthorize it. My friend, think of Mandelstam, arguably the finest ear calibrated to the Russian tongue in the modern era, leaning as if hard of hearing toward a barely perceptible murmur of survival from a garbage can in Arctic exile in Voronezh, grubbing for crumbs, dying of homesickness as much as hunger. He died there in 1938. Two years earlier, 1936, the year of my birth was death for Lorca, while feted in New York, on hearing of the murder of his friend and probably lover, buggered by a bullet by a Franco-Zealot in Malaga, the dandy Dali was heard to cry, Olé! The ground running. Um, the mention uh, here of uh, Céline, uh, uh, Ferdinand, Louis Ferdinand Céline, the the, uh, the French writer, uh, my favorite n- Nazi sympathizer and anti-Semite. <laughs> <clears throat> Rockets gouge the refugees' rooftops. Céline's rant calms me. Reassuring sign, in the same world, sanity stops at the shrine men kill for in Palestine. Rabbi's rock, mullah's bow, the call to arms packs stadiums. God makes the stockpiles grow. Time growing ripe for delirium. chews August evening's copper rays to apricot shoe leather. Full flavored sunset all the way down the horizon's throat. Enthrall to the spider I see weave in twilight its skitsy silk string purse around the lemon bud. In the sieve of silence I hear my cat's wail for milk's elixir. And in the garden, dive deep in the rose well where paradise dwells. For it doesn't look like the farther you leap or the steeper you fall leaves anyone freer at the end, all the hooded eyes that see our way as no way of theirs, our arrogance, waste, rapacity, call on the sword-veiled angel cutting his way through a field, needing to reach another level, another realm other than the rush to the briefing room, where to rain down far distance death is acceptable. Bush, Ashcroft, Rumsfeld, Cheney, Rice, coup d'etat crusaders going terror one better than terrorists. Prophesy, having set in motion, our worst fears. There's all you need to see and hear in the little that's heard of what's not being said to know there's near nil enough time hitting the ground running, Lord for us who kill for you, who die of you. Still, it must be hard for you, looking out for us who can't steer our best intentions to any end but slaughter. What's begun doesn't end, there being no ends, only means, which means meaning well we unleash disaster. When we've had enough, someday, grown tough, we'll be better off without you, better hands at the game. Someday, you'll be fit for a museum. And um, the uh, the final poem I'll read is titled "Money Theism." about to hear more at the limit of what the mind can bear, like tidal waves beating on the shore what they have to say. In a dark time not measured in clocks or depths comes a crushing wave of viciousness out of the mouths of those in command, going terrorists one better in terror as never before. The bottom line is under the table, Dangling moon money to a family holding its last loaf of bread. Close on the end, there's no way to exaggerate what's about to be lost that we now try biting into. Everyone at some time gets to be a Jew. I do, and so will you. If not by birthright, through being born. At some time, each must face the face therein. in. This time, Palestinians are the new Jews. Just as standing still, we journey from one instant to another. The body and the world wormed with journeying woe. Whatever. Hashem, Allah, the Holy Ghost... God has to go. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.